0: Thank you so much for joining us for All Together. Today, we're going to conclude our June series on overcoming worry, speaking specifically about worrying if I am enough. Worrying if I am enough. My friends, it was the late great poet, James Weldon Johnson, in his poem, The Creation, right there in the last stanza, James Weldon Johnson once said that God thought and thought till he thought I'll make me a man up from the bed of the river God scooped the clay And by the bank of the river, he kneeled him down. And there the great God almighty, who lit the sun and fixed it in the sky, who flung the stars to the most corner, far corner of the night, who rounded the earth in the middle of his hand. This great God, like a mammy bending over her baby, kneeled down in the dust, toiling over a lump of clay till he shaped it in his own image. Then into it, he blew the breath of life and man became a living soul. We hear the eloquent words of the late great James Weldon Johnson, but yet we fast forward a bit thinking about the fraction three-fifths. Three-fifths. The three-fifth compromise was a real thing. You see, this was where states in the North and the South could not agree on how slaves would be counted in the population. Therefore, it was decided in 1787 that every five slaves would count as three people for taxation and representation purposes. Sadly, if we fast forward up to our contemporary society, we will notice that chaos is still happening. Demeaning actions are still being committed. Cruelty is at an all-time high. Unusual and unfair laws and policies to many minorities, especially African Americans, leads me directly today to the question of if I am enough. Am I enough when people are continuing to be thought of as less than? And this is negatively being reinforced most places that we all attend. You see, it's easy to derive to this question of if we are enough, because society is telling us, no, you actually are not. Am I enough to continue living? Am I enough to be noticed? Am I enough to matter to those who do not look like me? Am I enough that others will see the value given to me by God, or will it continue to be unnoticed and overlooked? If you haven't understood it, allow me to upset your equilibrium a bit. We all bleed the same. Christ said that we were enough when God created us, yet why can't God's creation accept that we were all made in the image of God? Why can't we all accept that Jesus' sacrifice for sin on the cross includes me just as much as it includes you? Why must systemic racism attempt to be hidden as if we don't see it, as if we don't feel it, as if we will not experience it? Why did the words, I cannot breathe, ever have to be uttered out of George Floyd's mouth? Again, I tell you, We all bleed the same. All of our blood is red and the gospel is all about reconciling us back to God as well as to each other. We cannot be reconciled with God and live in hatred with each other. We have the challenge like never before, friends, that we can learn from each other and live reconciled all together. The church worldwide, my friends, has yet a huge opportunity to model the gospel of reconciliation worldwide. It doesn't matter if your church meets outside or inside or under a bridge. It does not matter if your church is a mega church, a medium sized church, or small in size. The gospel of reconciliation is big enough for us all. But I promise I'm not the only one to feel this way. My brother Paul felt this way as well. He writes yet an encouraging message and letter to the church. It was sent by Tychicus for all the local churches and even us today. Paul says, I need you to remember the gospel of reconciliation, spread the gospel of reconciliation, but also live out the gospel of reconciliation. It's smack dab right there in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 10. Listen to Paul's words. Paul says, For we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is a public service announcement. God does not make junk. You see, God knew exactly what God was doing when he created all of us. God did not make a mistake with you nor me. You see, in God's creation kit, he does not own an eraser. You see, God pierced and he literally pieced each of us together in his divine pattern has gifted us with uniqueness that should be applauded. No ethnic group is cursed. No ethnic group is shamed. No ethnic group is greater than the other. We are not junk, but in fact, we are reconciled to God by Jesus. See, you got to think about what junk means. Junk means that a mistake has been made and needs to be discarded or thrown away. See, God's creation is certainly not junk. Therefore, if you are round like myself, slender like others, black, Asian, Caucasian, or a part of any other ethnic group, hear me when I tell you, you are not junk, but in fact, you are a masterpiece put together by God. So be encouraged. Yet Paul, he encourages us, telling us that God has not made any junk. But listen to Paul's words as he continues in verses 11 through 13. Paul says, therefore, Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Not only are we not junk, but listen to Paul's words. Paul is sharing that reconciliation is not a trend, it's the gospel. See, at this time of this text, you see devout Jews labeled themselves the circumcision. And they considered everyone who was not a Jew a Gentile, thus making them a part of the uncircumcised group. And it also meant that they were ceremonially unclean. You see, these devout brothers and sisters believed that they were pure, that they were clean due to their national heritage and religious belief in ceremonies. But friends, you see a remnant of this even today, where there are some ethnic groups that believe that they are pure, that they are clean, that they are so much better than every other ethnic group that God ever created. Oh, but I promise if you would preach and look at all of God's word, you're going to see that Paul reigns on their pride parade, Paul Paul intercepts and destroys their pride party because he levels the playing field and shows us that Jews and Gentiles are all unclean. (laughs) And in case you haven't caught it yet, he's coming to your house to show that we are all unclean. Why? Because of our sin. You see, sin is that which separates us from God. And the only way we are cleansed from the consequence of sin is to have a relationship with a perfect and great God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul here, he's sharing that our Jewish brothers and sisters during this time were suffering from what I like to call spiritual pride. You see, they had spiritual pride believing that their tradition gave them a one-up that they could act any way they wanted to. (laughs) Friends, but come on down and let's just... Make it plain today. Whether you suffer from spiritual pride, whether your sin is wrong thoughts, whether your sin is hate, whether your sin is lust, whether your sin is living in an ungodly way, whether your sin is saying ungodly things, whether your sin is idolatry and any other sin, whether you may be black, white, Puerto Rican, or Asian, and whether you may be a part of all of God's creation, we all need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus ultimately to reconcile us back to God. You see, reconciliation, it's not a trend, it's the gospel. It's the gospel of how creation falls and Jesus through his death, burial, and resurrection makes sure that we are reconciled to God and ultimately we can get back up again. Hmm. Friends, in case you're not off your high seat yet, let me just say it like this. If you show me a person who says that they don't need Jesus, I'll tell you that that person is clearly a myth. You see, Paul speaks to the church worldwide. And as he continues speaking, I began to ponder. Oh, my friends, could it be that many of our churches are guilty of preaching half the gospel? Could it be that many of our churches are guilty of preaching the gospel in such a way that it only has spiritual implications? As if the gospel does not have physical implications affecting the way that believers are to live with each other. Friends, in case no one has ever told you this, you cannot hate and believe in the gospel of reconciliation, they're like oil and water and they will never mix. We cannot love God and not love others. Friends, I'm so amazed at the moment, however, how my white brothers and sisters, my Asian brothers and sisters and all of creation have begun to stand up and to holler from the top of their lungs that Black Lives Matter. I'm so excited to see this. We're seeing people begin to speak up for better race relations like never before. And I love it. But I want to challenge you. My challenge is this. Nine months from now, after reconciliation stops trending on Twitter, 12 months from now, nine years from now, as the young folk would say, keep that same energy. Hmm. You see, because we we need your voice of reconciliation. We need to know, yes, all lives matter, but all lives matter cannot matter until black lives matter. We need to understand today that reconciliation is not a trending topic. It is the gospel. Friends, I promise I'm not pushing my agenda. I'm just preaching Jesus. Because Paul in the text tells us God didn't make junk, so I'm not junking, you're not either. Paul in the text tells us that reconciliation is not a trending topic. In fact, it's the gospel. But if you look at verses 14 through 18, you're going to see more about reconciliation. And it's simply this, reconciliation destroys hostility. You see, it's in verses 14 through 18 that Paul defines and describes Jesus as our peace. But yet then he begins and starts saying that Jesus has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. See, God, through Jesus, he tore that thing down. (laughs) He tore that wall down to the ground. And ultimately, he created a oneness that all of God's creation should experience. See, all of us were once divided by our sin. But now we've been brought near. See, we're reconciled. Again, I tell you by Jesus. Jesus destroyed the wall. He destroyed our hostility. How did he do it? Not by shooting guns. How did he do it? Not by spewing out crap on social media. How did he do it? By giving us peace. But here's my question to you. If Jesus can destroy our spiritual hostility, Cannot Jesus destroy the earthly hostility found among people groups today? See, Jesus is not half divine. Jesus is holistic in the way he cares about us. He cares about the entirety of us, all of our lives. Jesus is not a fan of division. In fact, Jesus is a great fan of addition because he adds to our lives. You see, the hostility of sin divides us, but seeking peace reconciles us. And my prayer right now is that during this time you would learn to act in love, that you would pray that God would remove the hostility not only from your heart, from my heart, but from the world's hearts and ultimately lead us to peace. This is Paul's desire, but it's also God's desire. You see, because Paul continues right here in chapter two, verses 19 through 22, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul shares this last sentiment out of chapter two, and it's this, we are all in this together. It was someone who once said, the reason the world is divided is because division lies within us. There are no strangers in the house of God. There are no foreigners in the house of God. There are no outcasts in the household of God. Jesus has sacrificed himself that we may be joined together, built up together, maturing in Christ together and doing life ultimately together in harmony. No one is left out. No one is cast out. No one is overlooked. We are all enough in the eyes of Christ. We're all enough because Jesus said so. And in the words of Destiny's Child, when Jesus says yes, nobody can say no. You friends, we are all enough. And if you don't catch anything else out of this sermon, understand today you matter because Jesus said so. He thought you were worth dying for. And no matter the images that we see in our society, no matter the falsehood of the news that comes on our TV, no matter the crap we see on social media, you are enough because God said so. And friends, we're all in this together. One of my favorite movies is High School Musical. It is beautiful to notice the main characters, Troy and Gabriella, beginning to sing and dance in the last scene. But then suddenly, the entire school sees Troy and Gabriella singing and dancing and they begin to join in. But if you look a bit closer, You'll see and be blessed by this scene because you see basketball players dancing with people from the drama department. If you come a bit more closer, you're going to see my black brothers and sisters dancing with my white brothers and sisters. And when you see this, then they sing this great song. We're all in this together. And although this is a Disney movie, the harmony exhibited is at the heartbeat of the gospel. Your difference comes from the divine. Your uniqueness is given by the God who unconditionally loves us. And we have to understand we are all in this together. No one deserves to have a foot on their neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. No one deserves to feel less than. No one deserves to question if they have value. Why? Because you are enough. And in fact, if you don't understand it, rewind back to Paul's words in the 10th verse. You're God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that you may walk in them. May we all learn that we're all in this together. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you for the ministry of reconciliation. We pray for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl who may not know you or have a relationship with you, that they will come into relationship with you this day. Help us, God, help our world. We need peace. In Jesus name. Amen. Friends, if by chance you're watching this from wherever you may be and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I promise he definitely wants a relationship with you. And so, my friends, you can accept Christ into your heart wherever you are by simply repeating this prayer after me that I admit that I'm a sinner in need of God's love. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life. If you've just repeated that prayer after me, believe me, I'm excited and I know heaven is too. But my friends, you may even need some prayer. You can never have too much prayer. And so my friends, if you need any prayer or if you've just accepted Christ or you want to know more about this spiritual community, go to spdl.org. Our emails are there. And if you email us, I promise within 24 hours, we will email you right back. We are all in this together. But as we conclude our time today, the together takeaway is simply this. Reconciliation is not a trend. It's the gospel. So I'm hoping and praying that each of you will live that out every day of your life. Let's make this world a better place. Wash your hands, wear your mask and have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.